0: Excited to be here for our uh, next episode with Greg Brick, a very famous Canadian actor that I got an opportunity to meet in Dallas last year. And I said, Greg, you know who'd be great to have on the podcast? You. (laughs) You'd be the first uh, professional actor that has joined us here and uh, certainly uh, a profile that we don't have, uh, we don't encounter often. So it will really resonate with our audience. Thank you for joining me, Greg.
1: Oh, Gary, it's my pleasure. I uh, I enjoyed meeting you in uh, in Dallas at the Deloitte Entrepreneur Summit, and um, you know I'm happy that you you reached out, and we'll get a chance to have a nice little conversation here today.
0: Uh, and Greg, in a in a quick nutshell, tell us a little bit about you, your upbringing, and who you are. Uh, who is Greg Brick for people that
1: don't know you or don't know you well? Sure. So uh, my name is Greg Brick. And I am an actor that has made my career primarily in Canada. And I've appeared in over 110 different movies and TV shows and uh, video games now. But I was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba. My dad, Don Brick, was a lawyer there and then became a federal judge. My mom, Doreen, was a teacher until she had me. And then she was a stay-at-home mom and had my brother. And she, she spent her time raising us. And then when my brother became in his early teens, uh, she went back to work, worked at a school. I grew up playing a lot of hockey, uh, a lot of football, Um, was fortunate enough to get recruited to go play football at Queens University. My life trajectory, uh, you know, I did debate in high school student council. I thought I was going to be a lawyer in politics. That was the, that was the path that was mapped out for me. I think it was what I knew, if I of the two things, I thought I'd be a teacher or a lawyer. You know, the, the two maps that were drawn out for me. Went to Queens, played football for the Golden Gales. Uh, was uh, lucky enough to be one of four freshmen to start and dress for every game as a rookie. Um, was part of some very good teams there. Ended up winning the national championship, the Vanier Cup in my third year. Um, and in my third year, uh, life took a detour. I was taking, I had an elective. Oh gosh, you should never have a, an empty space in your schedule, right? I had an elective <laughs> and I took a playwriting class because I had always written a little bit of poetry. I was interested. Um, I took this class with a wonderful professor named Fred Juringer at Queens. He was a very renowned mask maker across Canada for the Stratford Festival and theaters really all across the country. He liked the way I wrote My material, he liked the way I read my material. At the end of my third year, still basking in the glow of being a national champion, he pulled me aside and he said, I don't know what your plans are moving forward with football, but there's something interesting the way you read your writing. Maybe you might think about acting. I'm gonna be directing a play the next year. And um, I was a good football player, not a great football player. Definitely not good enough to be a professional football player. So I thought, well, I wanna try something different. And he was gonna be directing a production of Hamlet. And he had a very interesting idea because he was a mask maker. There was gonna be uh, six or seven actors in the company and they would each play Hamlet at a different part in the play. And you would change masks and mutable self. And it was this really sort of interesting concept. And I started auditioning and it was about a three week process where he would have different people. you would be Hamlet one day and Claudius the next and Polonius and, Ophelia, and I mean, it was really, um, identity fluid. And then at the end of about three weeks, he pulled me aside and said that, that he was, this was going to be his last Hamlet that he was ever going to direct, uh, cause he was in his seventies and he had had this idea since he was in his early twenties and he was going to scrap it. and he wanted me to play Hamlet alone. And because I was young and full of confidence and foolish and what could go wrong. I said, yes. And that very night that I was cast as Hamlet, I kissed my wife of now 28 years for the first time. So I was falling in love with her, falling in love with acting, had no idea what I was doing, but I was comfortable with the language because I had studied Shakespeare. And it miraculously went well. And I was uh, encouraged by some people from the Toronto theatre community that had come out to maybe get some training. So I knew training was happening in New York City and my girlfriend at the time and I packed one little suitcase and we hopped on a train and went to New York and I started studying at a place called Circle in the Square Theatre School where Phillips and Mar Hoffman went, Benicio Del Toro. We got pregnant, we had a baby, and life began in earnest. And it's been, you know, it's a it's a very interesting, it's an interesting career, it's a great adventure, it's full of instability, there's tremendous highs and really heartbreaking lows you have to love it almost more than anything but there's something 110 movies tv shows into this thing i still get butterflies every time i'm walking from my trailer to set i don't care if it's a huge blockbuster with brad pitt or a little indie canadian show it's the walk and it feels like a fighter going to the ring there's something very. Uh, butterflies and electricity in my stomach. And I just love to do it. Oh, And it's, uh, Greg, I have so many questions
0: for you and I'm gonna pace okay. myself. So I'm gonna go a little bit back again to the sort sure. of the, the earlier stages. Who would you say had the biggest impact on your life growing up? And this could be
1: sort of from a family perspective or professionally, completely up to you. My my family, my parents uh, were were a huge impact on me. I was fortunate also to grow up in Winnipeg, there would, for Christmas dinners, there'd be 40 to 50 people at the table. Cousins, grandparents, uh, aunts, uncles. So that was fantastic. I had some amazing football coaches when I was young, playing Pop Warner football that really had an impact on on me to to hold myself to a high standard. I was Jesuit educated at St. Paul's uh, High School some of those teachers and the, the rigor of that. I had a wonderful, uh, wonderful English teacher, uh, who was, you know, it's an all boys school and she was this wonderful little English woman and she would be fierce and, and also encouraged us to be sensitive and to express ourselves. And that was great. Um, so I, I think, I, I, I was fortunate that it was a village of influences that, that brought me up.
0: And, uh, And that's often a combination, uh, Greg, is you get from from family all the way to sort of pivotal uh, moments in in, uh, people's lives. Uh, So on on that front, uh, obviously the the sort of, we talked a little bit about how you got into the acting career.
1: What would you Mm -hmm. say have been some of the most pivotal moments in your career? Oh, I mean, early in my career, there was no career. And I I, uh, had two kids. And at one point I was, um, I just hadn't worked. I was waiting tables. We, you know, we were like broke, broke, broke. And we had a marriage counselor say, when are you gonna grow up? You know, you've got kids to provide for. So I wrote my LSATs and I got into a bunch of law schools and I was gonna go to law school. Um, And I had auditioned for a movie called Men With Brooms. If you're a curling fan, you may remember this movie with Paul Gross, Leslie Nielsen. Molly, uh, Polly Shannon, Molly Parker, it was a, and I I read for this part of Alexander the Juggernaut Yount, who was the foil. And the audition had happened months before, and so much so that I had completely forgotten about it. It was just gone. And I was reading a lot of John Grisham books, psyching myself up for leaving acting and becoming a lawyer. And I got a call from my agent and she said, I've got an offer for you. And I had no idea what she was talking about because it had been so long since I'd had an audition. But Paul cast me in the movie that he was directing and starring in. And that that meaningfully changed my life. And he was a tremendous uh, mentor and role model uh, for me. His success was admirable, the way he carried himself. And the, the second big pivotal moment was when David Cronenberg cast me in a movie called History of Violence. Small part, I was maybe I think the first seven minutes the camera's following me, and then one other impactful moment later on in the movie. But because it was so well received critically, um, and it was New Line Cinema that was the studio behind it, and then they got you know, there was a bit of buzz around me a little heat in this business. You need like you need talent, and then you need to be part of projects that people see, and there's a little buzz about you, so there was some. A little bit of excitement around me. The new line cast me opposite Clive Owen and Paul Giamatti and Monica Bellucci in a movie called Shoot 'Em Up, and another bad guy. And from there, it became the next couple of decades where I played a rogues gallery of bad guys because that's where I fit in the industry. And and then eventually, I, I got to play sort of some more complicated leading men in smaller things. But my bread and butter was being bad.
0: And, and that's that's a specialty in itself, but the, it's like mm-hmm. we know who's, who we're going to cast for the bad guy.
1: Yeah, and you uh, know what? It was very fortunate because a lot of times when a big American production is coming to Canada, they're bringing their stars, but the next best available role is the bad guy because a lot of times they will cast that year. So, you know, I was fortunate to be part of some really big and successful franchises and films and, and get to do interesting work. And you know, it's cheaper than therapy when they're paying you to work all your issues out on camera rather than paying for a therapist. So, um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been interesting. Uh, a lot of times, you know, the moms on the schoolyard, when a particularly hateful character comes out, uh, you know, they hold their kids a little tighter and maybe the play dates dry up for a little while, but uh, for my kids, but it's been a fun, it's been fun.
0: I can imagine the play dates. It's like, I saw that
1: role and that was scary. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> and they always wonder, am I acting being a nice guy in real life or am I acting on, on camera? And it's like <laughs> a little bit above, a little bit above. both. Uh, Greg, uh, and this part
0: is important because I, when I first met you, I heard you speak to a large audience and you were very mm-hmm. engaging. And I want to make you. sure uh, that for anyone that wonders, hey, if I wanted to hire an actor as a as a as a speaker, as uh, somebody to come speak to my team, whether motivationally, whether it's to, to talk a little bit about what this life is like, because if you think about corporate presentations, yeah. it, 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 they all in some way involve some uh, some uh, acting. Uh, yes. but certainly in the context in which I heard you, and it was much more inspirational and a bit sort of a different way to think. So what does it look like how can uh, uh, certainly if people want to get you to act it's it's a lot easier, easier. Contact Your agent what does it look like how do corporates
1: engage you uh, to to well, get you so to i speak? have i my my acting agency which is oaz in toronto i have someone a guy named nick sates at oaz who deals with my public speaking um, and he handles and organizes all of that and i uh, you know it's something that uh that I've started doing more of and I really enjoy. And I found, I think, an interesting hook to use acting tools to help play the roles in your life more successfully. And um, I, I was fortunate to be asked to do a TED Talk at Queen's University a few years ago. And I, I, the broad sketches were I'd spent my life uh, shaping myself to fit the vision of a character from an author and, you know, reveal parts of myself that are maybe less typical or less habitual. If there were things missing in me, I'd have to develop those skills in order to fulfill this role. But in my real life, I was sort of floundering and, and, and not particularly playing any role with great success or skill. And I thought, well, why can't I just um, treat my life as if it's a, an artistic venture and, you know, decide what story I want to live, what I want my life to look like, what would be the version of me to best play that role and be very specific and write it down and then start to shape myself, start to move in the same way as an actor, I prepare for a role, start to create that life. And it's it's not lying. The best actors, I don't care what role they're playing, they're not playing the regular version of themselves, but they're playing parts of themselves. And so much of our life, Requires different elements of ourselves, and if you can delineate between the two and transition between the two and bring upon the qualities that would help you succeed in this form and 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 help you succeed in that area of your life, and they can be very different. And there's you know using wardrobe and voice and speech and movement and emotional preparation. So I started to to, to look at ways that I could take these acting tools and apply them to living life more successfully. And that sort of got expanded into this corporate talk and the workshops that I like to do where you, I help people fully realize the role in their corporation that they need to play. And obviously they got hired because they have certain qualities that line up. But this helps you become the ideal version of it or your ideal version in the same way that. You know, D- James Bond's my favorite example. You have all these different actors who play James Bond. It's the same character with the same essence, but there's just different. Daniel Craig is different than Sean Connery, Roger Moore, but they're all playing James Bond. So for your sales force, they're all going to be different versions of this idea. You're playing your version of that role. And I, it's been very rewarding. So I've, I've expanded my TED Talk into a longer corporate speech and, um, and doing some workshops uh, with with uh, with some people, and I've really enjoyed it. Well, it really resonated for me, Greg, because if you think about
0: it, we're sometimes so enthralled in our day to day work and so busy doing what we're doing, and when we go home, we have to be a different person because our kids yes. don't care for yeah. us, or and our spouses don't care for us to be uh, sort of the corporate people that we were, or or regardless of what type of job we do. So the, shifting that how right. we How we are is so important, and I think that's where it really resonated with me and i said oh it, it's it's a an actor's perspective is extremely important because in many ways you have to shift enough that you are your best self with the kids and with the family yeah
1: absolutely and and I mean particularly the type of I play a lot of really monstrous parts, and there's parts there's 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 things I have to access in myself there's things I have to stir up that you just can't bring home so a big part of the work is not just becoming the character, but also undoing that work. When, when I come home, there was a wonderful uh, a thing that sort of went viral the other day. Mike Tyson was being interviewed by William Shatner. I don't know if you saw this bit, but it I was didn't. sort of... It was, so William Shatner has a podcast, and who knew that it would have been so insightful, but I was a huge Mike Tyson fan when I was growing up. Loved boxing, boxed myself, loved Mike Tyson. And he used to cry, uh, particularly when he was young, before he'd enter the ring very emotional. And William Shatner asked him about that. And and he said, well, Mike Tyson said, well, that's just who I I am. And Shatner said, no, no, let's, what is that? What's the feeling behind that? And Mike said, I would cry because I didn't want to be the person I was going to have to become to step into the ring. And Shatner was like, ah. And he said, not just the violence I had to bring, but also all the things, the jealousy, like all these other qualities that came with Mike Tyson, the fighter. Now, Mike Tyson didn't know how to undo that work at the end of a fight. And that led to some real complications. Like he'd open Pandora's box and access the things that made him the most dynamic young heavyweight in history. But he, then he didn't know how to put that back in the box to then go and and, and deal in normal civilian life soldiers have that same problem people that are in really um physical or violent stressful environments like that corporate world i mean if you're succession if you're the you know the the dad from succession you might be a, a killer at work but your marriages are destroyed and you have no relationship with your kids because you can't turn that off and i teach a process of both becoming and then unbecoming. And, and a lot of people, the mistake is that you can't just let go of work. You have to grab onto something else. So the work is l- not just letting go of that, but actually becoming and grabbing a hold of qualities that will allow you to play the the husband or the, the father or whatever it is and uh, whatever it is you need. Uh, so, Greg, I,
0: I would recommend to any uh, corporate uh, people listening, which is mainly where we get to the podcast, right. to, to, to chat with you and have that discussion because I think it's particularly helpful. Uh, I would love it. Uh, the reality is much like uh, if the how good actors really dive into the role and, and read of, of profiles of people like the ones they're playing, etc. Yeah. Our daily life shouldn't be very different because we need that level of effort
1: in everything we do. Yeah, absolutely. There's the the difference between good and great is the passion is the commitment is the focus. Um, And it's, it's the willingness to immerse yourself fully in something. And I think a lot of times there's a difference. There's a difference between making an effort and making the necessary effort. You know, a lot of times we feel, oh, well, I'm trying, but there's a difference between trying and, and doing what you need to do to succeed. So. Uh, we always do
0: some snippets from every podcast. I feel like th- that's going to be it, uh, or one <laughs> of the ones for use. The difference between good and great is the passionate commitment to actually get something done, and it's it's yeah, it's so true. <laughs> uh, and that's that's right, true it, no matter what your field is. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, I don't think anyone would argue otherwise, and it's. The, the, the Like I said, that for me, that really resonated when you said we got to do that in every aspect of our life. And, right. and we have to be our best actors in every aspect. So that's that's yeah. to this day still resonates.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I'm glad it, it, it did resonate with you. And another thing that I think is important is I know when I was a young actor, I was afraid that if. Because I was quite a volatile young man. And I was afraid if I let go of that. Then I would lose what made me special and dangerous and electric on camera. So, and I know a lot of people. Well, I don't want to soften my edge because I need this to to negotiate deals, to to you know, to grow my company, to be a, a titan of industry. So that's why the idea of play is really significant as a as an unlocking key because you don't have to not be you. You just have to be this different version of you for now, and you can put it away. I mean, literally, like if you. You know, if you're, uh, you know, the dad from Succession, if you, you know, come home and you put on a cardigan and cord, uh, corduroy pants and listen to James Taylor and just channel your inner Mr. Dress Up or, you know, uh, you know one of those, and just play it. Like, it's not you, it doesn't have to be. You don't even have to, nothing changes. Just for this moment, just like Halloween night, we have the freedom of a costume and we can behave however we want. That's all you have to be is if you want to have successful interactions for this bit, play that part it's still a piece Absolutely. of you but it's a piece of you that you can put away again afterwards and go back to kicking ass the next day uh
0: greg that that's uh there's some very important takeaways and and uh i i dove right into it uh, on certain items and i'm gonna take us back for one more thing uh because sure. i'll get back to the professional side momentarily when you're not doing the acting roles and the cool video games and uh, any other commercial aspects? What does Greg Berg do? Uh, Greg Brig do for fun? What what does uh, what are the hobbies look like?
1: Well, this has been an interesting next chapter for me because my hobby, or like the thing that filled all my spare time, was having three kids and a marriage. So my life was really dynamically full for a long time because I have kids around. You have soccer practice, you have ballet recitals, you have homework, you have all of that stuff. Because an actor at the busiest actor. It's a very well-paying part-time job. No matter full stop. I don't care who you are, there's a lot of downtime. And I was very lucky that around the downtime, I um I had a family. I had a full life to live. Everyone, someone needed something at all times. And then as my kids got a little bit older, um, and they needed less, uh, less sort of day-to-day things, uh, I was they were all breaking in, they're all in the industry as well my two older sons are very successful young actors and directors and writers in hollywood in new york right now and my daughter's just starting in theater school but i found now that i have time and uh it's lending itself to more coaching opportunities speaking opportunities i'm writing um i sort of have parallel tracks i have an actors um being the, the father of three successful young actors and and filling, wearing a whole bunch of hats for them. Sometimes it's advice and a sounding board and helping them navigate the terrain or being a, a scene partner or running lines or preparing all of those things. Like I've been an actor's dad. So I just recently launching something on that'll be on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok, which is called The Actor's Dad. And there's also a, like private one-on-one coaching that come with that. But I'm just gonna give advice. I'm gonna answer questions. Like if, if I, my dad had been in the industry what would I wanted to have asked him? So it's there's that, and then I'm also based on the, the speech that you saw. I'm working on a more life coaching, corporate coaching um, avenue called the a book called The Power of Not Being Yourself, and there'll, there's a website that I'm launching with that, and that'll be sort of helping use those acting tools to to play the roles in your life more successfully. So I'm trying to take the spare time I have and not read endless sports news or news and do some writing and uh, and give back. You know, you need, I think at every stage in our life, we need to take stock of what's our purpose and what value can we give to the world around us? How do we make it the, the world around us a little bit better, but also people's lives around us a little bit better. And I've been fortunate to have accrued some knowledge and some experience and have some talent. Um, and I've, I'm finding ways to, share that to help people either their, their career work better as an actor, or their careers will work better using the actor's tools in, in their normal lives. You know, and that's,
0: uh, I can't say I'm surprised, Greg, but it's, it's, even the hobbies have an element of, of fun yeah.
1: work, but the fun work is fun. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's I, mean, I love that. to read Gary. I read, yeah. I love to go to restaurants. I'm a huge, huge foodie. Love that. Um, I love to travel i box still like no i don't get punched in the face anymore i'm not a young man but i still love the the discipline of being in a gym um i like yoga as i'm getting older and i can't lift as heavy weights i like i like doing yoga so life's fun if you let it be fun if you make it be fun it's fun
0: well and that's i always like that perspective of yours so it's uh, you have to put the fun hat on once you're done with the the work hat yeah that's that's it Um, and greg to go back a little bit to to the early Mm -hmm. stages of your career and we chat about what it was like it was challenging it was you had to wait tables you had to do all these things while you were building your acting career and I imagine most acting careers look like that uh, that with a lot of sacrifice not Mm -hmm. very easy to become successful the glitz and glamour that we see with some very successful few is not Probably what happens generally, so right. what, for us for anyone considering an acting career, what advice would you have? What does a path look like and I know they're not all the same, but just general advice
1: well if if i could confidence is is an important quality to carry into this industry and also not being desperate, so if you have a way to That's not soul crushing for you, but a way to make enough money that you can say no. No is the the only power an actor has in negotiations and whatever. But if you're desperate, like in anything in life, if you're desperate, desperate to make that sale, desperate to make that connection, it doesn't it doesn't work. So I would really recommend for young actors to approach it like with a life plan. You have the passion and you need to have a passion and you need to train you need to train with the best people you can surround yourself with. You need to do it. If there's local community theaters, get involved. It's reps on the ground. It makes you better. Become obsessed with it. I like, you know, Tony Robbins is always argument. You, know, you, you find your great obsession. And if you want to be a great actor, be commit to that in the same way that Gary, that you're building, you build your company. You, you can't do this through half measures. You need to be all in. So find a way to make a little bit of money on the side. Jeremy Renner, when he was a young actor, remember he and his brother—they had the skill. They would buy and flip houses because he never wanted to be in a position where he had to say yes to something. Invaluable. Um, train, understand the reality of the downside. Is you know during the strike, this number kept flying around that 87% of actors don't make the $26,000 a year that they need to get health insurance that's full stop. And then there's a chunk of maybe another 10, 15% of actors that make between that 26 and maybe 60, $70,000 a year. And then there's actors who work a lot that, you know, you can make whatever. And then there's the very, very, very few superstars who can pick and choose. So although the odds... If you were an actuarial scientist, you wouldn't do an account, or you know, if that was Matthew's background, you would say, these are not great odds. But the one thing that I've always shared with my kids, and I think it's important, that even if it's one in a million, someone has to be that one. If you go into this business looking for quick fame and fortune, it could happen. It's not the best reason to go. If you have a burning desire to reveal bits of yourself, to connect with other people, to share your humanity with an audience and let them have a catharsis through you or be entertained, then I think there's value in that. Um, I think that we live in a world right now where people want immediate gratification and there are no guarantees. It's talent meets opportunity meets luck. And you can be I mean, it can happen. You can get discovered walking across the parking lot, I guess, it used to happen anyway. Um, You could be your first job out of the gate, could be on a show that becomes wildly popular and your career gets made, but I would approach it as more an act of service, something you love, something you feel compelled to do rather than a get rich quick scheme. Because to be honest, there are easier ways to make money in this world. And if you need stability in your life, this is not the career for you. This is a bit of a pirate's life. We're kind of circus folk.
0: No, and I can certainly appreciate that because it's so gig oriented, Greg. And yeah. the naturally sometimes they can be more concentrated and you can have a lot of work. And sometimes it can be drier periods. And it's Oh yeah. It, it's it has challenges for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean it's a it's very it's, there's very few actors that achieve escape velocity where they're at that point where they're just getting scripts offered to them. And you know, the, the, the movie stars, the people you know are people that are the top sliver of the iceberg. Um, but you can make a living doing it. And also the skills, to be honest, are translatable. I mean, if you, in sales, in anything where you need storytelling, communication, you need a human to human element, the skills you'll learn and develop and hone as an actor are invaluable because you're communicators. Well that's,
0: well, that's that's it. So to me, I was like, the, I'd love to have Greg speak to my sales team and say, how do I sell translation technology
1: <laughs> and make it sexy? <laughs> because well,
0: by definition, but,
1: but you know. <laughs> but no, but that's, but it's interesting you say that because, but in, I mean, that is something that can be taught and something that can be developed because, and there are Acting tools to do this because sometimes I'm going to get a script and it doesn't resonate with me at all. But there are tools and techniques that you can use where I'm going to substitute things that I'm really pat when I'm speaking about this, I'm really speaking about that. And I think everybody part of good leadership is to find that spark of passion within someone and then transmute that to the story you're telling about a product. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, how. Ha- Gary I'd love to come and talk to your sales team. I think that uh, I think that everything has a story and everything that has a story has a heartbeat and where there's a heartbeat there's passion.
0: And it's it's about the passion that'll be like I said this will be a takeaway uh, yeah. for, from 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 uh, today's uh, podcast. Uh, and Greg uh, I certainly the I think that that's really good advice for anyone aspiring to be into this space. And uh, once you got into it and started getting some traction, what were some of the opportunities that you were the most excited about? And 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 then sort of maybe initially that didn't pan out to be quite as exciting and then some that you weren't as excited about, but that turned out to be great opportunities.
1: Well, um, you know, I, lo- I love I love work and, um, you know, there's been. Last, some of the productions, I you know, I, I was shooting with uh, just a little part. It became a little part in a movie um, with Brad Pitt a while ago. That was very exciting. Um, you know, being even a young actor at the Stratford Festival in front of 1,800 people, that was exciting. I love the travel. I love the sense of camaraderie. Um, I, I had an opportunity to be a part of a movie, a miniseries called Book of Negroes, based on the wonderful novel and to shoot in Africa for a while was pretty extraordinary. I was shooting in Tajikistan uh, right after 9-11, like right on the border of Afghanistan. That was very interesting. So um, uh, the the video game was the biggest surprise for me, how much it went from something I wasn't interested in doing to something that became this huge global phenomenon that had a lot of you know, the excitement and the glitter around flying around for press tours and doing promotional things where they're flying me in and helicopters. And like, that was, I mean, I'm still Greg from Winnipeg and I still get excited. Like I I walk down the street and if there's trailers set up and they're shooting something, I'm like, Oh, what is that? As if I'm not part of the business at all. So I, I still am a little kid about the business. I still can't believe that I get to do this that they invite me back to the table again and again. Um, You know, I've had, I feel blessed that I've had maybe two not great work experiences. And even then I was able to sort of find, uh, find some grace notes in that, you find moments that I like, but just the overall tenor wasn't great. And as I get older, I can recognize that the, the people involved that made it less than, ideal that the two directors were going through their own things as well. Like we often, you know, we take things personally and I, I'm, I'm very much into stoicism over the last little while. I'm very interested. Like I, I enjoy the philosophy and reading Marcus Aurelius. And I think that we take things personally and we forget because of course our life is the most important life to us, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. Uh, but I think that it's good to take a step back and try to be empathetic. Like why not take it personally? And what, what are they going through? And, And instead of being annoyed by them, and not to be a pushover, but like, how can I accommodate this to make sure that we succeed as a team, even if I'm having to put my ego in the back because my ego has been hurt in some way or this process isn't the way I want to work. I think it's important. And maybe sports, a sports background helped me in that is that at, at the end of the day, the team is more important than me and the project at the end is the most important thing. So. When, as
0: Greg, to your point, as the Stoics say, we don't control what happens to us; we can only control how we react to it.
1: So it's what Correct. we make of it, and that story. is yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's an important listen. That's a challenge, and it's it's like a meditation that you need to you something you can meditate on daily. But I think the more you keep that front of mind, the more able you are to live that. For sure, for sure. And and in many ways,
0: Greg, it's no different than a regular business. The the 20 rule that often eighty percent of your revenue is from twenty percent of your clients, and then you have sure. sort of another eighty percent that is that doesn't become great earners for you, but you need it for diversity of experience, etc. And yeah. they become learning experiences. I, I suppose acting is no different in that sense because you're you're going to get some gigs that don't work out to be quite what they were, what the potential that you may have initially thought they were.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's such a collaborative, much like running a business would be a, such a collaborative art form, particularly film and TV. There's, you know, you can, what what can happen on the day, on the set, but now you have, well, what, what take did the editor pick and the director pick for what, and a lot of times your best performance isn't the one they chose, but it's framed best, or there's a sound issue. So you really have to live by, I'm gonna do the best work I can do now, and then I have to let it go. It's out of my hands, and then I have to just be grateful for the next opportunity to do the best work I can. And the 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 less you attach to the less you attach to the result that you want, as opposed to what it's going to be. The, I think the happier and saner you'll be. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't strive and push for better and better. I mean, you don't accept you don't accept inferior work. You don't ex- accept mediocrity because no one benefits from that. But once the die is cast, the die is cast.
0: And Greg, you've had a great career yourself. You've also worked with some very famous actors and actresses yeah. uh, throughout your career. What do what do you all have in common? What are sort of the common ingredients of success in this business? I think that there's,
1: I, yeah, we, I mean. It, there's a, and there's, a, I make a distinction, even though the vast majority of them are wildly talented as well, but stars and then really great actors. And sometimes they're not, you know, the great actor doesn't always become a star. Um, I think that there's a a confidence in the work, maybe not in real life. Like I've met some wildly successful and famous um, actors that are absolutely dysfunctional and neurotic and anxious and. But when they're working, there's something that maybe it's what they're meant to be doing. So they find their raison d'etre. And so there's a confidence there. I think there's a great sense of shared humanity, a generosity in the work. Again, I've seen terrible behavior, but in the work, there's a generosity of spirit. And, you know, people like Elizabeth Moss, when I did um, Handmaid's Tale for a little bit, she was I don't know her personally at all, but she was such a spectacularly present actor that it was almost like she was projecting her thoughts into my mind. I could I could read her mind. It was that, like her intentions were that clear. She was so present. Donald Sutherland, Clive Owen, Giamatti, Vigo Mortensen. I mean, some really, really, uh, really great talents. And it's always, there's a great fraternity of equality amongst actors too, at after the first take, I think that stars feel guarded at first because you know they don't know. But if you do good work with them, then you're just you're you're a you're a band of miscreants, you know, running off into the night. And in in last like lifelong lasting friendships start, and um, there's a great respect amongst in the same way that I think between fighters, you know, there's a respect for people that are willing to put themselves on the line like that daily.
0: And I've heard the same thing with, with athletes as well, Greg, yeah. and like so the, the, uh, the, um, certainly with, with a lot of uh, people that are in similar business that is so intensive that where marginal uh, effort, uh, can, can be the difference between, uh, oh, yeah. can be the
1: difference between winners and, and, uh, first <laughs> and second place. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. And some people are just, it's like, they've been, you know, they've been touched by God for lack of a better word. Like they just, come across on camera. They just pop. And I, you know, a a historical I remember when I was a kid, I had a poster of Marilyn Monroe on my wall. James Dean and Marilyn Monroe. But I, I didn't I mean I I'd never seen any of their movies or anything. And it was much later when I was in my early twenties when I finally saw a Marilyn Monroe film. And the second she walked on to the as soon as she was on the screen, it was like like this jolt. James Dean, Marlon Brando, and Brad Pitt. I mean, these people, there's just something, DiCaprio, when the camera's on them, even doing nothing, they just, they just pop. They they come across, and, and you know, if you can catch a little bit of that, you can have a career, if you've got a lot of that, you're a movie star, and if you don't have any of that, then um, it's your job to f- get relaxed enough and to find it in yourself, because I think we all have a little magic dust in there somewhere. And
0: I imagine, Greg, not very different than most other areas. Talent is important, but the mm-hmm. replicate for hard work would be you can replicate it no matter how talented you are. Yeah, for sure. I,
1: I like, And this is something that I think that when you're young, you want to believe that in like the, the, the myth of the genius and you don't have to work and you don't have to try. and. and you, you know, as an actor, you need to, I, for my money, you need to prepare, prepare, prepare. You don't plan what's going to happen in the scene because you have to allow room for spontaneity and whatever is going to happen to happen. But you need to prepare and you need to work and you would be. You need to be consumed by this. Um, and I've seen people that I thought were maybe the not most naturally gifted actors when they were first starting out become spectacular actors because they work. And I I defy anybody to find a person who puts time and passion into their chosen endeavor and doesn't become much, much, much better. Now, even basketball, like I'm not, I'm a terrible basketball player. I don't know if you play basketball or not, but even like we're never gonna make the NBA, but we could become so much better if we committed and we were in the gym and shooting, shooting, shooting day after day, you're gonna become a lot better. I don't care what it is you wanna do whether it be business, whether it be acting, whether it be sports, whether it be whatever, law, medicine, the more you do, the better you get, full stop. And that's what we need, passion in life. (laughs) Yes, you do. Because you don't want to, that's the thing, like how can we commit ourselves to drudgery? Like if you don't at least, if you can't find a reason to love, and love doesn't necessarily have to mean falling in love, like when you're first falling in love with someone. I think of like love is for a, a vocation, is like a marriage, like you work at that. You have to find ways to make it exciting. You have to find ways to reinvigorate yourself. And that's your job as a, as a person is to find the spark and to rekindle the sparks. You have an eternal flame for whatever that job is because you can't trust the novelty factor that, that wanes. You can't, inspiration comes and goes. Discipline and commitment and, and the right mindset is what makes the difference. So true, Greg. And, and we hear that time after time in this podcast
0: from all kinds of walks of life. So I'm sure. If there's sure. one common theme, that would resist regardless of, of uh, what people did. And Greg, I have uh, one question for you and then we're going to pivot or one more question and then we're going to pivot to a, a, a fun part of what we call the One Word Answers. Sure. A fun part of our podcast, uh, the rapid okay. fire part. So okay. um, if you were to ke- be cast as one historical figure in, in uh in anything, what would that who would that historical figure be?
1: I would love and to I know play Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt. Rose- Teddy Roosevelt, the 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 great adventurer, you know. Uh I mean I would love to play that. So to anyone listening that is
0: in this business.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably physically not right for that at all, but uh, uh, yeah, that I just find there was a sense of adventure about him. There was also a great, like he had a wonderful blend of the cerebral. He was a great thinker, a great writer, a great philosopher, but also sometimes someone just goes out and gets it done. Like that's a great quality. People that just get it done. And,
0: Greg, I appreciate that, and and uh, I What about you, Gary? My-
1: what would you? What would be your role? What would you want to play?
0: Yeah, and it's you know, uh, as I had this question for you, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, who would I want to do? And um, you know, you talked about the Stoics, and I said, Marcus Aurelius has my son is named Marcus after Marcus Aurelius. So that amazing. As you can imagine, big fan. So it would it would be uh, one of the it would be probably one of the stoics. Uh, Marcus Aurelius the more likely one, or or amazing, like, like a sort of one of the one of the figures that right now you know when we think of the ancient world, we often think of them as like oh we've come so long such a long way, but in terms of the the breakthroughs in philosophy that were done yeah. so early on and, and that are yeah. remain so true today, they were yeah. done by ancient Greeks and Romans in in a way yeah. that that,
1: that has resisted time more than anything else. Well, I don't think we've changed that much as humans. And I think that there's a core, like, like the wisdom of our humanity is what it is. I, technology obviously has evolved so rapidly and we're in this dance with, with that. Uh, but, but we as people and our passions and our fears and our ambitions and the way we look at the world, I don't think has changed that much.
0: And and it's uh, and that's why it's important. Uh, so I, we have to learn from history and and everything yep. that they've been through. Otherwise, we are bound to repeat it as we do. With yeah, time. absolutely.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it, but it's amazing how often that adage is repeated and how rarely it's applied.
0: Um, and Greg, the uh, I I could be doing this for with you for hours. But I will po- uh, pivot with, for us to the rapid fire question. So this is sure. to be fun. First thing that comes to okay. mind uh, okay. and they are super simple. First one is okay. what is your favorite word? Yes. I love it. Uh, what word do you hate? Fear. Fear. Uh, what word do you have a hard time pronouncing, if any?
1: What's the name? Geoflinakis, the the, the actor. (laughs) I mean, that names would certainly be... My kids uh... laugh at me like I butcher so many names so often. I don't know why that is. It's just, it's a running joke in the family. Um, What is your favorite word in
0: another language, if any?
1: J'adore, adore. Adore. Um, Do you speak any other languages? I speak French a tiny bit, but I'm working on it. And I'd like to speak Spanish as well, but that's a distant goal. So that, that'll be part
0: of what we can provide to you at Alexa. Some, some uh, <laughs> it's part of well, the collaboration, get you some exposure yeah. to the French and Spanish. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. I mean, yes.
0: And what's one word to describe yourself?
1: Engaged.
0: And I must say, uh, I, I, uh, fr- from the, the little I know you, Greg, all of those truly resonate with me. So, despite it being rapid fire questions, <laughs> they, they, you
1: got to the, to the, to the essential answers immediately. <laughs> well, you know, Gary, I, I do appreciate uh, you inviting me onto this podcast, and it's, you know, it's an opportunity to speak to and connect to a different audience, and oftentimes I, I get to. Uh, connect with and and with you personally i really uh you know meeting you in the airport that time and 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 we've chatted a little bit uh still going to get together for dinner soon um Absolutely. Uh, i i enjoy this so i appreciate you inviting me on today and i really enjoyed this time
0: no same here greg and and it's you know i thought about it earlier i said i should have thought about this sooner but you know uh i'll buy it better late
1: <laughs> uh than everything never, in so- its time everything it's- in its time Gary.